So by that point, the flight was boarding there in gate T-17 in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. Was it called Hartsfield something airport? Hartsfield Jackson Airport or something? Jackson Hartsfield? Anyway, uh, yeah, so we're, we were, somehow we're always in boarding group for this whole thing with air travel. Listen, like uh, going on an airplane is a lot like going on a bus, okay? I'm going to take the bus in, in a few minutes here to New York City. Right. Uh, what you do is you just uh, you have a bus ticket and you get on the bus, you find a seat, you sit down and that's it. Well, this is a commuter bus. I know probably like a Greyhound or those other kind of buses are a bit more involved. But why do they need to be? Because it just sort of seems like I'm not going through any sort of security. I don't I, there's not different tiers of tickets. There's not these e- endless warnings of what's going to happen. We're probably riding on a bus is more dangerous than riding in an airplane after all. Why is it that there is such a to-do, right? To, like when you, when, you, when you go on an airplane, it's this endless process. You have to arrive two hours before it leaves, go through the security, take off your shoes, take off your belt. Then you wait and then you, you get on and the signed seats and then there's this whole procedure. And there's all different tiers of tickets. It's not just that, as you might think, economy and first class. There's, there's like five different tiers. That's what the thing. When you buy your ticket, it's like, uh, uh, I just want a cheap plane ticket. I don't know. I don't care if I sit in the back. Okay, here's the seating chart. Do you want... There, there, there's basic economy, economy, economy plus, economy enhanced, like like business class, first cat class, extreme class. Wait, wait. This is essentially a glorified bus in the air, okay? And it just it really is kind of a drag to see the uh, the social stratum uh physically represented by those parts of the plane right the front part of the plane it's more money so if you can afford it you can sit you're going to sit in the front bigger seats better service and you get it in and out faster you're in the first boarding group you know what i mean well of course you know uh, people with disabilities young children or members of the military whatever they're the ones that get on first then the first class people right it just it just kind of like i understand you know just like recently with the whole queen elizabeth King Charles, all that stuff, where people are somehow applauding this graphic representation of, of uh, I, I would have thought, a concept that we could have moved past, the social classes. And it has nothing to do with your abilities. It's not a meritocracy. It's just genetically, what family were you born to? And that's how rich you're going to be in your life. And you're at that level of society. You know? I understand these types of things have existed, because, you know, it's kind of like Pink Floyd says, hey, Jack, keep your hand off of my stack, you know? That's what this is all based on. It's basically like you're a, a, amassing wealth and power and the ability to bully others into submission. And you want to secure that for your children and your children's children because you know you're going to die like everyone else. Why, why, why did you work so hard to perhaps screw over other people for your own benefit? If uh, if you're just going to die like everyone else. Oh, so I can have my children and my children's children's children lorded o- over everyone else. Really, that's what, the, that's what royalty represents. And it's despicable, quite honestly. And, uh, you know, I, I understand it's not. I, I live in a country, the United States of America, that cast off the shackles of the royalty concept. In that it's not officially... Uh, 
delineated in the laws, but of course it happens anyway. Just look at the airplane with the first class and the business plus and the economy plus and economy minus and everything else, you know. Of, there are still social stratums, you know, it, it, just like royalty, but it's just not... It, I mean, it, it, I think just the fact that it's kind of not spelled out, it's not official, it's something that we might at some level aspire to not have, right? It just It just seems like, yes, it's the same thing. But, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, and I guess the question is, how necessary is that? You know, and I, I understand, you know, I, perhaps rightly so. In the past, there was a, was a time of lack of resources where people literally could starve to death or live in extremely miserable conditions because there wasn't enough to go around. For, there wasn't enough for everyone to live a decent life back in the day. In the day. But now, I think there is. So at least we should aspire towards removing this class structure. But what I'm just what I am saying right now, those that have the that are at the upper levels have anticipated people like me saying things like this as they've been saying for a long, long time. And so they created this hello doggies. They've created this uh, elaborate ruse of uh, attempted utopian schemes that were really not true attempts. They were designed to fail, in my opinion. Uh, when you look at uh, so-called communist or socialist governments around the world where the citizens wind up living in utter horror and poverty and waiting online to buy a loaf of, nine hours to buy a loaf of bread, right? Tent cities, just complete disasters. See, it doesn't work. We have to maintain this system of classes, well, gee, you know, I think they set that up to, uh, in anticipation of these days so they could continue to, to have it all, you know? I, I, th- I think that in all aspects of history and what we think of as common knowledge, I think you do have to um, look at, you have to sort of go meta and, and second guess and triple guess and quadruple guess to try to figure out what is the intent behind it. Whatever you are coming out of your, what is ever coming out of your mouth, whatever your words, your lips are forming, why are you saying those things? Why would you say, oh, we can't, we, we can't have everyone be equal because look, 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 look at uh, Russia. Well, this is not Russia, and that's not what I'm talking about. But you know. Anyway, so there's an airplane. <laughs> why did I get on this topic? Uh oh, someone's uh. Ear- one of those little wireless earbuds. I, you know, I never had those little earbuds that there's no wires on them. You just stick them in your ears. Of course they're going to fall out. There's someone on the ground there. What do they call them? Like ear, ear pods or something? <laughs> Apple ear pods? Earbuds? You know what I'm talking about. It's like there's no wire on it. You just stick it in your ear. I'm sure they work just fine. I don't know. I, I use wired ones. If I, you know, to, to like for, for right now, as I'm recording, I use wired headphones. I'm old school, man. Um, so we get to the gate T17, and uh, we're in boarding group four. So we're the last to get on the plane. And uh, so it's like they're about done with boarding group three, and I feel like they're about to call boarding group four, and finally we can get on. They're like, ladies and gentlemen, you know it's not good when they say that. I don't even know if they say that anymore. 
Is that I'm I'm sure that uh, that phrase is uh, is is not uh, in favor anymore, ladies and gentlemen. What, what should they replace it with? Greetings, individual humans. Well, there's a lot of people who feel transhuman, so that would be very you know that wouldn't work. Greetings, intelligent. Greetings, conscious minds, in attendance. <laughs> I don't know what you would say. Uh, they're like, listen, uh, there's a, they, they said it was a, there's a, uh, a delay program. They're calling it a program. There's a delay program at Newark airport because we're flying, you know, from Atlanta, Georgia to Newark, New Jersey. There's, there's like a, uh, what's they called? A grounding, a ground program. They called it a, a ground program. <laughs> that just means that there was like super, there was like big thunderstorms, so they had to have a, a slight delay. So it was called a ground program. Anyway, listen, they can tell whatever they want. I don't know. So they're like, we're going to pause boarding for a moment, and I and we heard the people at desk saying, well, you know, if it's going to be more than an hour and a half, we'll probably let them back out. We'll, we'll get them out of the plane. I'm like, oh God, of course, here we go. Every, <laughs> we haven't had any problems. The flight down was fine. So instantly I look at my uh, my phone and look at, to look at the weather map and I do see a huge line of thunderstorms but it's pretty much done it just passed over the Nork area so I'm thinking maybe maybe uh, we're, it, it's towards the tail end of this thing so anyway after a few minutes they continued boarding the plane and the pilot came on and said uh, you know the, the program should be ended soon we're going to go through the process of going, driving up to the, the runway. And hopefully by the time we're there, they'll have ended the program so we can take off. So thankfully they did. So we were only, we took off, I would say, about a, about a half hour late because of the program. And uh, <coughs> it was a, uh, you know, it was a normal flight. The thing is, it, what really sucked was on the way down, it must have been a newer plane because it had... Um, you know the the video screen, and you know that you in every seat. But it was a going down. It was a touch screen, and everything was on demand. The plane on the way back was uh, what the hell. The plane on the way back uh, was an older model, and I've seen this one before, where they have a screen and it's all like direct TV, and the controller is on your armrest, which is a horrible design, because the guy next to me, his control panel is right on my left armrest. So if my arm is there, I feel like I'm getting in his personal space as he's tapping away at his buttons, right? Uh, so it's this crappy, what do they call that? It's like soft plastic with raised surfaces that you push down. Right, those kind of like the Atari 400, which I never had, but you know what I mean, like a chiclet style key, keypad. They have that right on the on the armrest, and it's this really and because you know, uh, user interfaces can be good or bad, and whoever the airline like contracted with or in the Direct TV system, and this this was pretty bad. It was probably pretty advanced for when it was introduced, which God only knows when that was. Um, got to be 20 years ago with this thing um, but yeah so it was that kind of system so I was really really looking forward to watching 
the movie Die Hard on mute again, just as I did, I did on the way down. But I didn't get through the whole movie. The flight wasn't long enough, so I was going to skip ahead about a half hour and watch Die Hard on mute. Not really on mute. I just didn't. I wouldn't plug a headphone in. It was weird because I didn't really feel like plugging headphones in to the headphone jack on the airplane. I don't know why. I, I just I didn't want to. It felt like one more level of complication that I didn't want. But I really enjoyed watching it with the sound off. But yeah, they didn't. Ha- they didn't even have it on this flight. They just had like seven movies that were like you couldn't even control when they started and stopped. It was just like a a live broadcast in a way. I, I don't know what's up with that. Um, they had like the Harry Potter and the Magical Beasts of Dumbledore, the, the Secrets of Dumbledore. I watched a few minutes of that. It was whatever. Even with the sound off, it was hard, very hard to take. Because um, like in the, the beginning of the movie, it's like that character Newt Scamander. That guy and Eddie Red, Redmayne playing him, that's a very unlikable character. Because I, I did see the other two Beasts, uh, Fantastic Beasts movies. This is, this is like Harry Potter, right? So why don't you keep making Harry Potter movies? Harry Potter is a little older now. They are, this, this prequel insanity has just pervaded our entertainment system. And it's, just, it's really quite maddening. In fact, um, I just started watching, and I think I might stop the Star Wars stuff because you know, I was an original Star Wars fan from 77 I was 9 years old when I saw it changed my life the Star Wars TV shows are so bad but they're not so bad they're good they're just so bad that they're bad because um, I think you could say that like Phantom Menace and the prequels were in a way so bad they were good right they became very likable these are just bad they're, they don't there's no likability to them um, you know, uh, Boba Fett and Mandalorian. Like I've watched, I feel like I have to watch them because they're live-action Star Wars shows in canon. You know, and so now they have Andor. So this is a prequel to a prequel, right? Rogue One was a movie that took place right before the very first Star Wars movie, chronologically in universe. Um, right, Rogue One leads right up to Princess Leia getting on the blockade runner, the Tantive Four, right? Um, and so literally, moments later, in-universe, chronologically, Star Wars, la- later retitled Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, right? <clears throat> um, so chronologically, so this is now like five years before that. And they even say five BBY, which, you know, before Battle of Yavin. So that that's how they... The Battle of Yavin is, you know, when the Rebels blew up the Death Star in the first Star Wars movie. So they're using that nomenclature, 5 BBY. Meanwhile, this guy Andor, Cassian Andor, was some sort of a... Not even that great of a character in, uh, in Rogue One. And he gets killed. But now they're going back further. So it's a prequel to a prequel. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. In general, what is the what would be the big deal of just having a universe and just keep moving forward, right? Oh, here's the bus. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I'm getting all upset here. <laughs> all right, let's go. All right, we have arrived at the Port Authority bus terminal between 40th and 42nd Streets, between 8th and 9th Avenues. 9th Avenue is where I'm headed. 
not going into my workplace, but rather I'm uh, going to a training session, a training session for some new technology we have at work. I work in uh, digital marketing in the fashion industry. I've been there for over seven years now. And this training center is amazing. It's uh, it's right. It's like across from the uh, the old uh, the post office building that's now the Moynihan Train Hall, and um, it's on like in the it's up in the 60s, 60 floors up, and uh, beautiful view. Really modern offices for training. Kind of a cool, a cool. It was so surreal being there yesterday. I was there yesterday as well. Uh, today's training is going to be much more relevant to me so yesterday was an hour earlier so I, I just barely made it though now I have uh, I've arrived with plenty of time, almost too much time sometimes it's hard to time things out in terms of transit there's an art gallery with painted panthers and giant goldfish statue and pictures of animals all sorts of things there was a place a coffee place down near there on 9th uh, that uh, I was planning on going to to get coffee and they have avocado toast which is vegan but I was really there was such massive traffic jams yesterday Though I thought I'd give myself enough time, I just barely arrived there at the, at the appointed time. Everyone else was already there. <laughs> There's a guy playing around with a, a, a blue rubber ball, and he just was pretending to throw it and smiled and pointed at me when I sort of acknowledged him. Wild guy with wild hair. Hopefully he's not coming back down the escalator. No, he's on his way wherever he's going. Uh, anyway... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, yeah, anyway, so, where were we? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm listening to uh, Gravity's Rainbow, the audiobook, um, on my phone using a, uh, a dongle, of course, you know, the, the famous dongle. They took away the headphone jack, so you have to plug this freaking dongle in that doesn't even, it's sort of so easy for it to get disconnected on the USB-C, but... Yeah, Gravity's Rainbow by Thomas Pynchon, man, yeah. Is it Pynchon or Pynchon? I don't know. He said Pynchon when he was on The Simpsons, so. Pynchon. Yeah, Gravity's Rainbow. I tried listening to this audiobook once before, and I would just, like, fall asleep on the bus listening to it and lose my place. And So I did a f- that free trial of Audible and, uh, and, b- and got Gravity's Rainbow, and it's, you know, I didn't continue to subscribe to it, but... I uh, I still have Gravity's Rainbow, which is a uh, you know a tough thing to listen to. It's like uh, not that it's tough to listen to, but I was playing uh, the card games uh, Hearthstone and Magic while I'm listening, and really like it, it's it's a very tradition like this this postmodern literature, and um, it's just very dense and amazing and. Uh, wonderful. I'm right towards the beginning of the book. Uh, but you just have to sort of let it wash over you. You know, you'd have to really focus. And I'm, I'm trying to listen like 80% focused. Um, 
and it was there was an amazing synchronicity since it's right near the beginning it's it's pirate prentice's banana breakfast which is right at the start of the book right where this guy grows bananas up on this roof and makes these incredible banana breakfasts and uh then we sort of got past that scene and then on uh you know on route three driving past uh, through Secaucus um there's a there's a place that used to be uh you know, it's like a restaurant, but it seems to, they, it seems to go out of business, and then someone buys it and starts a new restaurant over and over again. Like every couple of years, it's a new thing. What was it? A couple of years ago, it was something weird. It was a weird name. I can't remember the name of it. It was like a weird word, but now it's Banana King. <laughs> so, yes, Pirate Prentice is the Banana King at the beginning of the novel. There. <laughs> so yeah, a little synchronicity there. Banana King, right after the banana scene. <coughs> Synchronicities, they do reveal something about the nature of reality, don't they? I think they do. So, anyway. Yeah, I don't know if I finished the airplane story. So, yeah, so when we landed in Newark, it was just... We had to wait about another half hour uh, to get to our gate because there was a, a traffic jam, as the pilot described it. You know, when, when the airplanes drive around like cars on the tarmac there. They, but they're still using their jet engines just to drive. They don't really have, like, car motors in them. <laughs> they just use the jets to fly. Not to fly, but just to move them around as they're driving around. But then we got in and it was fine. And, you know, it's like because because we're in group four, they ran out of space for luggage. But then you get to check your luggage, which is good because you don't have to lug it into the plane and haul it up into those overhead bins and find a space for it. But then you got to go to the baggage carousel and retrieve it. But we have orange luggage, so it's very easy to see. So, yeah, we didn't get home till like 1030, I guess. We should, I mean, it, we should have gotten home around... Uh, like 9.30. It was probably not, you know, like an hour delay. Not too bad. Oh, look. Hudson Yards. Yeah, walking down 9th Avenue here. Yesterday I was rushing. Now I have a little bit of extra time. See? What a difference a day makes. So I figured I, you know, I, I, I went by the actual scheduled times. It was a big mistake. I think you have to add a half hour to any time on the bus schedule. See, I'm going to go to this training, then I'm going to just going to go back home. Because I, I stopped in the office yesterday and worked the second half of the day after the training. So I showed my face at the office, so I don't really feel I need to go back there again today. I'm just going to go home. There's buses on the hour. Like a 1210, a 110, a 210, a 310. So I'll grab one of those and work from home. So I remembered a snippet of a dream. It was the very tail end of a dream I was having. I know I forgot most of it, but it was uh, in New Brunswick, New Jersey, in my grandparents' house. And my father, my, it was my father, but it was a totally, he was kind of had a different personality 
he was getting involved with all this like these weird people at these restaurants and stuff like just in maybe like business deals or something it was like a weird thing uh so he called an uber to take him down to down route 18 to go to some restaurant or bar to talk to someone or something and uh Someone else told me, oh, oh, you know, the Uber driver is actually Joe, Joe Piscopo. You know, the, the comedian who was on Saturday Night Live, Joe Piscopo. I'm like, oh, yeah, he, I, I know my father's friends with him, yeah. Oh, and, and, you know, you can go with him. Oh, I got to go, I got to go hang out with Joe Piscopo. And I, and I was actually thinking of recording him for the show. And I think, like, I kind of had, in the dream, I had kind of done that before, so I knew it was cool to record my show and talk to Joe Piscopo on the show. Uh, but I was like, but like the clothes I was wearing were um, really crappy. I had on these like weird light blue shorts on and I'm like, yeah, I gotta, I'm dressed like a bum. I need to change just because I don't want to look like a, like a jerk in front of Joe Piscopo, the famous Joe Piscopo. So I went up to my room, which in this case was my room from where I grew up in Bridgewater, New Jersey. But of course, in the dream, it was confused with my grandmother's house. And I'm like, where the hell are my pants? I have no, I have no extra. I, I, I found one other pair of pants with another like crappy pair of shorts. I'm like, I don't have any pants left. What the hell? So I, need, I need good pants. I don't want to look like a bum for Joe Biscopo. <laughs> that, was, that was the dream. I prefer this Ninth Avenue, the strolling Ninth Avenue, as opposed to the walking fast and stressing out about being late Ninth Avenue. I had a, an amazing blast from the past yesterday on the bus home. Because, you know, I took the bus home at the normal time, like 6, 6.30, whatever. You know, taking the bus into New York City, as I have for so many years, as you've heard over the years here, here on the Overnight Escape and the Overnight Escape Underground I would get to know some of the people on the bus and give them nicknames right and one of the greatest characters was the stoic man this weird older gentleman who just had he looked very stoic he just had no sort of facial expression he just sort of stared ahead and he would he would sit in this seat that annoyed the hell out of me because I liked sitting and I still like sitting on the very back seat of the bus on the right-hand side because in the morning that if you sit on the left the, the sun's like blaring in your eyes so you want to sit on the right side so anyway also the the feeling of wanting to uh, you know give people personal space that if you can you you wouldn't just go sit next to someone if there's only one person on the bus you're not going to sit next to them you could I suppose legally quote-unquote do that, but uh, it's uh, it would be considered very rude and, a, and certainly not appropriate for this sort of social con. Like the idea is that you sort of give each other person their, their space. As I've talked about the middle weirdo in my particular condition, condition my particular uh, situation. I like sitting in on the back of the bus. So basically, this bus is there's. Uh, Two, there's a left row of seats and a right row of seats and each has two seats right and uh, the back of the bus though there's, there's one long bench kind of seat 
that uh, conceit. Well, is it still a? They may have changed it to be individual seats, but in the past it was it was one long bench that could seat five, right? With with one middle space. So, when I would sit in the back of the bus, if someone sat on the at the back seat and then they were sitting by the other window, I'm sitting by the right window and they're sitting by the, the left window. That's perfectly fine. Someone prefers to sit in the back. That's fine. But when someone sits in the middle, when there's no one on the left, it bugs the hell out of me. I call that the middle middle weirdo syndrome. I call them middle weirdos because they shouldn't. They're violating my personal space. Now, listen. I know this is this is all like neurosis or whatever. But you know, it just felt. It just feels like they should just move over. But I understand, like, if, if the bus gets filled up, they prefer to be in that middle seat rather than be jammed all the way to the left with people, all, you know, five people along the seat. I get it, but it, it really annoys me. So, with that, well, look, B&H photo. This is where it is. Okay. Over by 9th and 34th. Okay. You know, B&H photo. Please get lots of electronics. I wonder if they're open right now. I know they have like synthesizers and stuff here. I used to go to stores and play around with synthesizers. I don't know if they'd be open yet. It doesn't I don't think they are. It's a cool show. How much extra time? See, I always think I have all this extra time, but I really don't. Nah, yeah. I want to. If, if, if I roll in there at 9:30 with a half hour, I think that's a good time to roll in, which I think I'm about set to do. So, probably, probably good to be there a half hour early. Anyway, what was I saying? So anyway, with that in mind. The stoic man would always sit on the, r- the right side of the bus, by the window, exactly one seat up from where I wanted to sit on the back of the bus. And it was, he was always the only person there. And I felt like if I... What is going on here? There's a line to cross the street. This is crazy. Um, I'm blocked. Uh, really? Oh, oh, they're actually... Maybe they're online to go into B&H Photo, actually. Okay. Um, yes, they must be. I guess. Is it really a line to go into B&H Photo? I mean, please. Oh, a lot of construction going on over here. Anyway, I feel like if I was to sit in my preferred seat, I would be violating his personal space. So I was sitting right behind him, even though there was, there was a whole other bus where I could sit. So it really pissed me off. So a lot of times I would opt to sit someone somewhere else because of this stoic man so anyway after a couple years the stoic man kind of uh, drifted away who knows what happened to him I never saw him again but this this woman this uh, sort of an, uh, a middle-aged Asian woman took over and I called her stoic too because she also had a very stoic expression on her face and would always sit in that seat Stoic too, and as if, if you're a, a scholar of all things overnightscape, you will know about Stoic too as one of the bus people. Whoa. Uh, so anyway, I haven't seen her for years, but last night, there she was, Stoic too, in the same seat. Oh my God! And I and since it was since it was later on and it was kind of dark out, I sat on the other side. I, I did I, again. I was blocked from from the Stoic seat. Wait a minute. What is going on here? This looks totally different than yesterday. Did they... Did they... Wait a second. Did they really put up all these scaffoldings and everything? Like... Hmm, maybe it was here yesterday. It just... 
This whole scene seems different than it was yesterday when I was here. Hmm. <laughs> but I, it was, I got a real kick out of seeing Stoic too. All right, let me, let me go to my uh, training session. All right, done with my training. Gonna head home now. <coughs> yeah, it's definitely a rainy, hazy day, and uh, that yesterday the the experience of being in that place was very crisp. Very, it was very beautiful day. Today felt very different. It was very, as I said, very rainy, hazy. And there were times, you know, in, in that meeting room where it just became completely opaque white outside because of the storm and the storm clouds being right there. It's raining right now. Oh, here's B&H. Yeah. Raining and a quite a bit cooler. I see that by tonight it's going to be going down to 48 degrees Fahrenheit, which is actually a little chilly. But anyway, when we got home from the trip to Chattanooga, my cats were so happy to see me, especially Vegas, the cat. He was very happy that I was home. I felt, I felt bad, but, you know, they were taken care of by my neighbor. So. Ah, come on. Ah, it's very, very breezy, chilly out here. Let's see what time it is. I think I'm going to get the... Uh, 210, yeah, yeah, I got plenty of, plenty of time, plenty of time, too much time even. <laughs> but uh, one topic that was touched upon was uh, the metaverse, which I think there's still a lot of confusion about and misunderstanding about. You know, the idea of, like, there's games that are 3D that people can go in at the same time, like Fortnite or something. It's not a metaverse. It's, you know, sort of a one little universe, one little computerized universe. And then there's these sort of blockchain-based uh, VR worlds like uh, the Sandbox or Decentraland, which are just ridiculous. I mean, this this, this e-commerce and this... Not just e-commerce, but cryptocurrency. Remember, I tried those out. In order to buy anything, it costs thousands of dollars in real-world money to buy, like, a plot of land or to build anything. It was So it's like, was it just for super rich people? Who, who can afford thousands of dollars for a video game? So I, I really don't think that the metaverse, as we've been anticipating it, is really anywhere near... Uh, available for some reason, right? It's uh, a virtual world that uh, has just incredible, beautiful graphics. I, I would say, built on a, you know, rendered on a back end, perhaps like using the Stadia technology, and a place that you can uh, enter from any device to in, in 2D or in. 3D, you know, it, using VR goggles, and kind of a centralized place. <coughs> it is actually kind of hard to define, but 
it just does not exist yet. And uh, it's puzzling. I, I know I've talked about it a lot. I was even thinking back to my days and the, those VR meetups in New York City. It was such a long time ago. And it was almost 10 years ago, right? 2013 is when I started going to those VR meetups. And then 2014 is when I made my demo and went out to Silicon Valley. But, you know, as I've always been saying, you know, like, when an actual metaverse that's worth investing time and energy and perhaps money in comes along, I do want to sort of have a, uh, a presence there. And, uh, but it feels like, I don't know, it just, it feels weird as if the entire topic has been almost sort of, I don't know what you want to say, like, it's almost like we've been anticipating this for so long and it just hasn't happened and isn't happening. It almost feels like it's never going to happen. <laughs> it's weird. But we shall see anyway. We shall see. Hey. Hello. Sorry, what's going on here? Hello. 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 I'm back home now. And it feels like a different day. It's warm and sunny now. Whereas before it was almost like shockingly cold and rainy. It feels like the last couple days have been many days combined into one. In fact, the last week. What is it, a Thursday? I I, I hadn't even left for the trip to Chattanooga one week ago. It seems like a month. Time, time. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I was sort of... I, I realized something as I was trying to talk about VR, virtual reality, before was that there seems to be something like wrong with the topic now. I'm not really sure how to describe it. Uh, like, it just it just feels like I guess really the uh, connection between cryptocurrency and the metaverse is see it just it. It is not necessary. It is not required. But somehow the two have become very intertwined. You know, to me, like, cryptocurrency is all about sort of this get-rich-quick scheme kind of scam. You know, like the the Ralph Cramden or Fred Flintstone. This time I'm going to make a million <laughs> Wilma or Alice, you know, the loser who's convinced they can, like, get rich quick with this scheme. And it feels just like a scam, you know? Listen, I may be wrong and whatever, but um, to me, the dream of the metaverse is, uh, you know, it seemed simple when you're thinking about it. It's this virtual world that you go into and you can do stuff in there. But I understand that there's this sense of cupidity about it all, right? Is that the right word to say? Everyone just wants to make money. But I feel like, as I was saying earlier, with all of the advances we're making as a society, quote-unquote advances, whatever, you know, I understand that there's a lot of stuff from the past that is a very strong pattern that... People have an urge to keep repeating the pattern, right? So the idea of social classes, of rich and poor, like it exists and there's this urge to keep it going. 
in fact if you if you view it as uh the uh, the concept of morphic fields that is the idea that the shape of things from life forms to structures of society to uh, mathematical constants and all these things are based on um, a, a, a field of shapes or a type of aspect of nature that we can't that we don't really understand which creates a shape of something based on other instances of it elsewhere in space and time do you ever wonder like it's sort of like wait it, it sort of just sort of seems like when you wake up in the morning and it's a new day like how the hell are you going to figure out like what to do like but somehow you just sort of muddle through it just all kind of happens the idea is your day and the stuff that you do during the day is very much influenced by the patterns established by other people in the present and in the past how they live their day now of course these things change slightly over time and you know but i would say that like whoever was living in this house 102 years ago was living their life and my daily routine is probably largely similar to theirs 102 years ago right certainly there's different details i'm a different person and we have these different technologies we can deal with but in general waking up in a bed getting up uh did people brush their teeth 100 years ago i, I would imagine they had some sort of something to to to, to clean their teeth fresh in their mouth eat some food have some coffee or something to drink you know, like it's it, so. It just seems like these patterns are kind of, you know, like established in some way. Um, but it doesn't mean that we have to be beholden to them, right? We can change them. And one of my concerns, especially about issues regarding the economy and the new incredible efficiencies of technology, right? Our technologies creating greater capacity in terms of infrastructure to create food, clothing, and shelter, and transportation, and education, and entertainment, all these things, right, should be reflected in the economy. That is, the whole point of an economy, in a way, is, um, I mean, I guess first and foremost, it's, well, it was resource allocation when there was not enough to go around. It also is a method of control, right? So in the, in the sense of real resource allocation, right, I don't know that – this is something in society that I don't know if it exists. Like what is enough? What is a decent amount of the stuff of life, right? It almost seems like in our society everyone at every level – just wants more and wants it all, right? Nothing would ever be enough in this particular, what I'm sort of perceiving as the philosophy of this current society, at least in the United States, that, right, as opposed to saying, well, you know, having a nice place to live, having some good food, some good friends hang out, you know, like there's a point where you're deprived, where you're starving, where you're laying out in a field and it's raining and you have no place to live, that's obviously not enough. But when you have a decent life situation, could you say that's enough or that you wouldn't necessarily aspire to more? I feel that 
there's this pervasive thing that the sky's the limit. The more mansions and the more cars and boats and yachts you have, the better. Of course, most people don't achieve that, but they seem to aspire to that at some level and brood and be angry and grumpy when they don't get it. But I think what I was trying to say is that, you know, I, I certainly don't, I don't personally know that an alternate economic system would work or that I had certainly acknowledge that it may come with its own set of issues. But to not even talk about it, to not even think about it as it just seems insane. Just like this idea of royalty and rich and poor and the social classes. Listen, maybe it's an essential ingredient to human civilizations to have that. Maybe if you tried to have a civil civilization without that, it would all fall apart. But at least, should, shouldn't we at least talk about it? I'm talking about it. I'm a member of this society. <laughs> am I a member of this society? I think I am. But you know what I'm saying? To aspire towards something, I guess when you're in a situation and there's aspects that are not not the best and things change, the background changes, shouldn't you revisit fixing those things that are broken? Maybe the new situation, the new technologies could help you fix those things that are broken, right? That's all I'm that's all I'm asking for. I'm not saying this stuff is necessarily going to work. But as I alluded to earlier, the the well has been poisoned essentially because there have been uh almost these gruesome caricatures of a a loving, caring, um abundance-based society in the examples of uh, communism or socialism around the world where they claim that's what they tried to do and they failed miserably because the system was just inherently flawed. My allegation is that these instances were concocted as almost a vaccine against any future attempts to um, implement such things for real, right? create a gruesome, sick version of what you anticipate may happen in the future, sort of similar to the conspiracy theory of the Laurel Canyon scene where it was anticipated that there would be a youth anti-war movement that would steer our society away from war and the... uh, military contractor type people the military industrial complex as it, as it's called and sometimes figured that that sort of movement of society uh, would would cut into their profits you know so the theory is that they created the hippies as a, as a kind of gruesome caricature of a responsible enlightened young people who didn't want to have war they made them dirty and smelly and lazy and stupid and lampooned them and mocked them mercilessly and tied them uh, irrevocably, like sort of bound them together with the idea of an anti-war movement. So anti-war was associated with ugly, smelly, stupid people, right? The same way that a new kind of economy has been bound together with 
utterly failed totalitarian regimes somehow, oh, we, we, we can't get rid of money because, look, they tried it in Russia and look, what's, look, what, look what, what happened there or Venezuela or whatever, you know. But it, if it was a, an attempt to poison the well, I don't know if that's the right term, it was obviously quite successful, I would say, because anyone I talk about this, that's a, Frank, that sounds a lot like communism. No, it's it's not actually, but your mind has been conditioned to think it is. So that's why it makes me sad to see, a, you know, virtual realities or metaverses. Now with these with these like shitty get rich quick schemes, cryptocurrency, you know, like, and I know there has been. A degree of open source, you know, that op- OpenSim or OS Grid or whatever it's called does exist. There is an open source metaverse, but it's it hasn't really gone very far. It's very – the technology is very dated and it's just not a great technology. But you could for free, you know, if you had – the well, obviously not free, but you, you can run the software on a server and create your own world that you are completely controlling, you know. And then, you know, the, the the bit chains and the NFTs come in. Oh, well, what if I create a design and someone steals it? Like, well, instead of thinking about, like, creating things and people stealing it, why don't we think about each of us creates things and then shares it with everyone else rather than them stealing it from me without giving me money, you know? What if we all work towards a, a goal, a greater goal, everyone working towards the, the, the common benefit, right? No, I can't have that, no. Yeah, and again, I'll completely acknowledge that, you know, I don't know that what I'm talking about of everyone sharing everything, it might work, right? It could work. Everyone assumes it won't work, but it could work, right? Why not try it out? If it doesn't work, oh, well, we'll go back to another system. I really, I got to find, there was some president of the United States that had that had a quote, something along the lines of, you know, we have a lot of – the world's constantly changing. I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. The world is constantly changing. There's always new circumstances going on, new technologies, new systems. History is advancing. Hey, you know what? There's lots of new ideas. Let's, tr- let's, try, let's try some ideas. If they don't work, oh, well, we'll try something else. <laughs> like Instead of everyone, oh, my God, that's never going to work. Do, do you notice that's how people talk? It's like – I have an idea. Let's do this. That'll never work. Wow, really? Well, at some point, some new ideas had to work in the past. Otherwise, we'd be sort of hunter-gathering society still, you know, like out, out, out in the woods. I mean, I don't know what to say. Some ideas, some new ideas worked at some point. No? And it's actually quite appropriate because I do have a new idea here. It's the Pop Sockets Pop Puck Trick Magnet Starter Pack. Yes, this is a new kind of little toy you can play with. Uh, I'm not sure how I found it. Maybe it was just an ad that came up on one of my stream, stream, streams on Facebook or something. Become a Puck Baron. Devenez un baron de rondelle. <laughs> it's all in French, too. Uh, this is a... So PopSockets is a, is a company... Let's see, I'm playing around with this thing. PopSockets is a company that makes those... 
They make those things you stick on your back of your phone, which I don't use those things. It's supposed to be a thing you stick on the back of your phone. It's like a circle so you can hold on to it. I guess it makes taking selfies easier or something. I don't know. I never really got into that, but I've seen them. So PopSockets is a company, but they've created this new product that's very different than that called the Pop Puck. Includes two trick magnets. Ah, but they fall down a lot, too. I'll try to describe this. Ow! I shouldn't. I gotta. Let me put my cigar down while I'm while I'm doing this. I have too many things in my hands. Anyway, it says flick it. Try me. Uh, includes two trick magnets, powered by neodymium. <laughs> Hundreds of tricks. Two magnetic pucks, magnetic bulb with removable leash and bag clip. And as it say here, so yeah, this is there's yeah there's like f- there's f- one two there's four pieces to this thing as they said. So there is if you take it apart here, there's a metal ring which is kind of like just your typical key ring kind of deal, and then there's the what are they calling it, <laughs> the tray, the magnetic bowl. Okay. So this almost looks like some sort of a bracelet or something, but it, you really can't use it as a bracelet. It's a uh, it's it's like a plastic oval with magnets inside of it that's kind of curved, and then there's a strap that comes off with two more magnets, so it kind of forms a little loop, right? And then you can put the you can put the clip thing in in the loop. It looks like it would almost be snaps. You know the whole remember snaps from clothing? They still use snaps. I used to have a lot of snaps when I was a kid. I don't know. I don't really have snaps anymore. You know, snap it in. Remember snaps? Is, are snaps a thing anymore? I don't know. And then there's two uh, plastic discs with magnets inside of them. So there's a lot of magnets. and There's at least six magnets in here. Um, and these two little discs, they go in, they fit in that, the, 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 uh, the curved oval depression in here. And you can just sort of play around with them. The idea is that you're supposed to like press down and like flip it but I, when I've done it, it they like it like flies all over the place though you're supposed to be able to flip where'd it go <laughs> oh man it landed in a spider web no <laughs> it was too heavy to be held up by the spider web though but anyway um so you're supposed to be able to sorry you're supposed to be able to uh to flip it but i guess i guess if you were to develop the skill you could flip it up and catch it because it's a magnet uh, let's see what it says. Press the edge of the closest puck down. Press the edge of the closest puck down. Okay. Click. Now you, now you're mag stacked. Okay. Pull back and press down. When the puck flies up, catch it. Boom. Mag flip. Yeah, I mean, it's a little harder. Than Whoa! Again, I flip it, but it just winds up on the ground. I guess I'm just not good at it, but... It is kind of a cool... I, w- I want to become a puck baron, okay? More thumbelievable tricks and tips and tricks at popsockets.com slash poppuck. Two pucks is fun, but with more you can experiment with strange new pucks or swindle your friends via some kind of barter system. Pop puck booster pack sold separately. So here we go. <laughs> it's not just a cool little fiddle, fiddle toy or fidget toy. Now you have to. It's almost like buying trading cards, like Magic the Gathering packs or baseball cards. You buy a, a, a booster pack and with a random assortment of different patterns. Kind of reminds me of the old uh, 
pogs, you know. So they're trying to create some sort of collectible system now. Yeah. Again, <laughs> instead of just creating something great, now now we have uh, blind packaging. You can't even buy the design you want. You have to t take a chance to get the design you want. And I guess they can figure they can make more money that way. Great. But I guess I could just I'm just playing with it mindlessly like this without flipping it. It's actually pretty it's a pretty cool object. I mean, it's a cool little thing. I like I like it. I like the idea of it. I just can't really do the main trick yet. I, I don't know. I guess you could take one out and then just flip one of them back and forth. Yeah, if you could the one can just go in the bottom. There's a lot of things you can do with this thing. Yeah, this is pretty fun. This is this is kind of a fidgety thing. Just flip it back and forth. <laughs> Fidgets, fidgeting. It's kind of cool though. I don't think it was terribly expensive. I forget how much it was. Copyright 2020, Pop Sockets LLC. Yeah, I just got one that's kind of like dark gray and one that's light gray. They're really not super exciting. Let me see if I can find like what ones are available in in the uh, the booster packs. Okay, yeah, there's all different variations. Smiley faces, checkerboard patterns, yin-yangs, all sorts of fun stuff. You can even get them custom-made. Ooh. But where's the... Yeah, yeah, here's this booster pack. So wait, a pop puck... Hold on, how much does it cost? The thing I bought, it's uh, usually $22, but it's on sale for $19.99. And a booster pack uh, uh, costs $6, and I, I don't know how many you get in a booster pack. Two trick magnets. And there's all different ones you can get. Eyeballs. and Let me see. There's some that some are common and some are uncommon and some are rare. Chrome Crush and Lucid Lilac are the most rare. Uncommon are Munching Dead, Mazed Out, Psychedelicious and Donut Attack. The commons are Eyeball It, Stribation, Full Metal, Chroma Clone, Fired Up, Orange Camo, Sludge-tastic, Deadpool, Dying Inside, Paint Spill, Bad Trip, Pastel Wash, Thumbprint Rick. Thumbprint Rick, is, is that their character? He's also on the front here. Thumbprint Rick. Groovy Gumball, Cowabunga, Cookies and Cream, Warp Path, Summer Fatigues, I'm Out, and Mad Splatter. Hmm. Great. It's kind of cool. I, don't, I could see this becoming a new trend. <laughs> ah! Just dropped it again. But dropping them all the time is kind of a drag, but, you know, what do you want? What do you want? I'm just not good at it. I'm not a, I'm not a good puck baron. Great. Oh, anyway, I wanted to talk about last episode, Chattanooga Trip. Um, was the longest episode ever, over 10 hours long. Yes, Mike Booty actually asked that question, and I had to double check. Yes, it was the longest episode of the Overnightscape ever at over 10 hours long. Um... The uh, Europe 5 from 2019 was almost eight hours long, and uh, also 
The New Mexico episode from a few months back was also nearly eight hours. But the longest one before this one was, uh, hold on, let me find it here. Yes, uh, just less than a year ago, the Overnightscape 1849, Riverboat Alley. Um, October 8th, 2021, not even a year ago, was nine hours and 19 minutes long. So this one beat it by uh, over 45 minutes. Interestingly, they both involved riverboats, right? Riverboat Alley. I mentioned riverboats. And uh, last episode, we went on a riverboat. So <laughs> so for this episode, I, I uh, was playing around in MidJourney, the AI image generator, and generated an image of a riverboat. And I think I'm going to call this episode, because I was really struggling what to call it, but I'm going to call it uh, Further Patterns of History. Because uh, the original riverboat episode that that one from last year was referencing was called Further Into Unknown World, which uh, was a quote from the video game Time Pilot 84, right? So I figured this one should be about river, have a riverboat in it, too. I like that idea, Further Patterns of History. That's a good, that's a good title. I had written Patterns of History when I just was talking about, but Further Patterns of History, that's a good one. So anyway, the show art last time, let me take a quick look at that. Um, let's see. Let's go to theovernightscape.com to take a look at that show art from Chattanooga. So we chose the... Uh, All right, we're here in the south. What? We just landed at Atlanta. No, I don't want to hear it. I just want to look at the picture. Uh, yeah, it was a picture that someone took of us at that train museum. And I like this image. It shows me and my wife. There I am wearing my gentle giant T-shirt, and we're in front of a like a, a luggage cart with you know sort of vintage luggage on there, which is sort of. I chose this image because it has a lot of symbolic content. You know, um, it also sort of resonates with that unclaimed baggage place we went with. It has old luggage, and it's a it's a cart which is a kind of vehicle, and behind it is a train which is the train we came in on. It says you can see it says Tennessee on there. Um, kind of like the riverboat, and then there was a riverboat, but then there was a riverboat behind the riverboat. And this says East, it was East Chattanooga. So the title is Chattanooga Trip. So even in this image, it's a trip from Chattanooga to East Chattanooga, right? So um, I sort of stylized it with this font. So it says Ch Chattanooga Trip on the left and the overnight skip on the right. And then I just put G-A-T-N-A-L on the bottom, Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama, the three states we visited. Because I figured I wanted something graphically down there. This font, though, uh, I was inspired by a poster I saw on the trip. And it was when, I was when we were sitting outside at Sluggo's North having our, our vegan lunch or brunch. And if I can find it here. It was a uh, it was a poster for this band, right? Called, hold on, let me see, Shell Shag, and uh, it was it was a single color. It was uh, it was like sort of a, a, a magenta on white, and it was there in the window. It said September twenty fourth, multiple exits, volume one, number three, Stove Works, seven p.m. September twenty fourth. So I guess if you're in Chattanooga, you can still go see them. And apparently they're, they're going to be performing at Sluggos as well. So Shell Shag is this two-piece uh, group that's been going on for years and years. I, I did a slight bit of research on them. And the image on this poster is of uh, a giant shark. 
by some sort of seaside or something. And um, but there's a font there that I really liked, and um, I used uh, what the font on myfonts.com to find the font. I actually bought the font, and it is a font called Lugano Alternate, right from Greater Albion Type Founders, I think it's called Lugano Alternate. So that's the font I used. I like that font. It's it's, it's kind of a, a, a groovy psychedelic Art Nouveau kind of deal. And uh, I'm sure I'll use it again. See, I don't always... You, you can buy fonts sometimes. You don't have to pirate them all the time. But I really liked how that came out. So, yeah, 10 hours, man. And, you know, like, when it came to that cave recording, I just kept the whole thing in. I listened to it uh, when I got back. I listened to the whole hour-long cave thing. You know what? I, th- I thought it sounded... I really dug how it sounded, so I just kept it all in. I was kind of wondering if it was... Because I had the recorder in my pocket, my shirt pocket the whole time. But I think I thought it sounded good. Anyway. Anyway, I can't sit out here anymore. The sun is, like, blaring on my legs. It's, like, too hot out there. Damn. <laughs> it went from being too cold to too hot. Oh, I don't want to... These ma- magnets aggravate me. I'm always so paranoid that they're going to, like, erase media. Those old magnetic discs that they used to have. With You had to be careful, right? Yeah. Anyway, let me go over here. Oh, it's too hot out there. Ay, ay, ay. I also wanted to acknowledge something that was rather strange. Jerry A. Green from uh, Houston, Texas. Um, he posted uh, on my uh, on Facebook about this puppet museum. The puppet museum we wound up going to. And let me let me try to find this because what's going on here? Hold on a second. I can't find it. I'm trying to see. So he had posted a picture. He was driving through Atlanta and he saw this puppet museum and he posted a picture and tagged me in it and said, This made me think of you, Frank. And I remember seeing it. I think it was but it was a couple weeks ago. It was back on uh about a month ago. Um Trying to see if I can find it. Why can't I even find it? Hold on a second here. Yeah. Yeah, August 23rd. So about a month ago, he posted this. And there it is, Center for Puppetry Arts, with that distinctive green sign, the tortoise and the hare, and Aesop's other fables, right? Puppet.org. Jerry says... Saw saw this as I was passing through Atlanta, Georgia yesterday and thought of you. Right? So I saw the post and I hit love. I didn't just like it. I loved it because I'm obsessed with puppets at some level. And uh, so that was way before we knew about this Chattanooga trip. Right? And um, we were planning out the trip. And this was like a week or two ago. And... I was researching flights, and I'm like, you know, these flights are so expensive, and they're so long. So I'm like, wait a minute. What cities are nearby? So there's Nashville. That's about a two-hour drive. And then there's Atlanta. But Atlanta's a hub, so the flights are cheaper and more frequent. So I was talking to my wife, Denise, and she preferred just... Because you can't fly directly to Chattanooga from the New York area. There's no flights. You have to change. She preferred not to change. And I thought it'd be cool to rent a car somewhere and drive, so... Um, we chose Atlanta because it was a much cheaper flight. And, um, you know, the day of the trip, 
the morning of the trip. So this is not even a week ago now, just last Friday. We were going to be leaving that day, right? And uh, I'm like, what? Why don't I? Uh, you know, because I because we were thinking of doing the Atlanta thing. I'm sorry, the Alabama drive the first day, but that luggage place closed too early. We were never going to make it there. So I figured, okay, so we'll have we'll come back through Alabama, which is what we did. Um, so I'm like. I wonder if there's anything cool to see in in Atlanta. So I just I just went to like the Atlanta, you know, visitatlanta.com or whatever it's whatever it's called, Go Atlanta, whatever the tourism site is. And this puppet museum came up. And I and I'm like, "Wow, a puppet museum." And I was looking at it. It had the Henson puppets and stuff. I'm like, "Oh my god. Oh my god, we got to go there." And I in that moment, I just did not remember Jerry's post, but I think that subconsciously I may have remembered it subconsciously and um uh that was I I didn't consciously remember it but and it's weird I don't know why I didn't remember it but it it uh maybe because I had this in the back of my mind that's why I searched out something to do in Atlanta so Jerry I I I don't know how to explain like I did see the post and I did hit like on it but it's this weird sequence of events that I actually went to this puppet museum <laughs> And as you heard, it was a fantastic museum. So thank you, Jerry. And I'm sorry I, I didn't acknowledge you on the recording last time because I just didn't remember. But I think it must have been a subconscious thing. Anyway, that was kind of weird. And then another slight synchronicity. Um, Macy Gill on Facebook <laughs> posted it just the other day about uh, Froggy Winnicorton. Froggy went a courting and he did ride King Kong Kitchi Kitchi Kaimio, right? And uh, and, I, and I posted like I just saw Froggy in in the fairy tale cavern, and I even quoted the song on the show. Another weird synchronicity about Froggy went a courting. Yes, 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 indeed. Anyway. Um, since last night, I've been really researching Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the movie from 1968, and apparently they did a, a musical of it in, in London, England, in like the early 2000s, because the show art I was thinking of using was an old picture of an 8-track tape that I think I tried to sell on eBay. I don't know if I actually sold it or if I still have it somewhere, of the soundtrack to Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, you know, with Dick Van Dyke. Apparently Benny Hill is in it too. I, I I started watching it, but it's like two and a half hour movie. Um, so I started researching it, and I figured I might have used it as a show art. So I was listening to the songs to hear if there's any interesting phrases or to call the episode. And I and I realized that, you know, I really don't like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I don't like the songs. I don't like the characters. I don't really like any anything about it. It's weird because I did have that classic uh, corgi toy of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, and I may still have it in that toy box at my, at my father's house. Um, we would listen to that 8-track tape relentlessly on our long road trips out to Montana, and we knew the song so well. But whereas I do not, I, I like some of that kind of music, there's something about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and the characters and the music that just rubs me the wrong way. Truly scrumptious. You're truly, truly scrumptious. 
scrumptious as a cherry peach parfait. Shut up! I don't know what it is. Yo, chitty, you, chitty, 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 bang, bang, pretty, chitty, bang, bang, we love you. And chitty, you, chitty, 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 bang, bang. Our fine four-friended friend, chitty, bang, bang, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, fine four-friended friend, chitty, bang. I don't know. I just don't like it. I thought I liked chitty, chitty, bang, bang. I don't know. It's just been rubbing me the wrong way the past 24 hours, this chitty, chitty, bang, bang. So I kind of gave up on it. Um, I don't know. It's just, you know... It's, Sometimes you revisit something and it just doesn't really doesn't really work for you anymore. So anyway, I was going to do more of a chitty chitty bang bang thing, but I'm like, yeah, no. And then I kept thinking of that. What, what, was, what was her name? Chelsea something? That comedian? She had a book called Chelsea Chelsea Bang Bang or something. I don't know. Let's just forget about the whole chitty chitty bang bang thing. Anyways, with that, I want to say thank you so much for patching into this episode of the Overnightscape. Much appreciated. And uh, we're here, of course, in the Onsug, a radio station inside a book. Just go to onsug.com for all your information. You can get the whole archive, almost 13,000 hours of material, and growing all the time, of course, including this episode, which is obviously a bit shorter than last episode. But, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do another 10-hour episode today. Okay. Um, You can get the book. We're a radio station inside a book. We're very unique. We have many unique factors facets to our existence here, to our project here, the Onsug. That's T-H-E space O-N-S-U-G, the Onsug. You know, sort of stands for the Overnightscape Underground. And um, you can buy the book and uh, you can download the, you know, you buy the book. It's a print-on-demand. You can download the PDF for free. You can find it all at onsug.com. You can listen to any of the shows. We preserve and archive everything. So those in the near and far future can listen. And, uh, you know, without I, I had it was not the original intent of this project, uh, but it is all free. It's a non-commercial project. And we are kind of doing the thing I was talking about, creating, in this case, audio content that is that some people really do like. And we're just sharing it. We're not charging money for it. We're not trying to get rich quick. We're just trying to. It's something cool that we love to do and we love to share, and it's something that can be done. You can create things and not have to be paid for them. You can just share them with 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 your fellow your fellow people in the near and far future, right? As I said, I'm not I'm not going to say that that was not the, the originally. I thought I could make some money on it, but it just sort of developed into this non commercial project, which is very unique. We also have a very unique style, as you've been hearing, the style of the content in this show. Very different than, uh, you know, other podcasts. It's just sort of freeform uh, rambling or rampling style. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like this style is not, is, this style is used by one particular type of performer, stand-up comedians. They get up in front of a group and just start talking about anything, right? They, they're not stuck on a particular topic. But podcasts, it seems like, oh, what, what's it about? Well, it's not about anything. It's about everything. You know, why can't a podcast be like this, be like that? Well, that's what this podcast is like. And the other podcasts on this channel, they're all a bit different. And there's dozens and dozens of different hosts. We have a group channel here. But I feel like this, you know, I prefer this, uh, this format. Um, but, you know, I, I was involved in the uh, the podcasting scene in New York way back when. But I've certainly fallen out of 
way out of like having any contact with modern podcasting. You know, I feel like we sort of we're in our own little pocket dimension here. You know, okay, whatever. But I like it. I I I feel like I'm still able to do shows that I'm very happy with, and we're adding to this body of work that is unique. And uh, I think uh, you know, as time goes on, it will be seen as more and more of a unique um, treasure trove of audio content. Yes. You can be in this treasure trove of audio content. Just check out a show called Overnightscape Central, hosted by Mr. P.Q. Ribba. Each week, there's a new topic, and just listen to the latest episode of Overnightscape Central to see how you can participate. And now we are going to go further down that river, that virtual river, a cyber stream leading inevitably to this, the other side.
through the years by some of the greatest heroes in basketball history. Cozy, Sherman, Ramsey, Russell, Sam and Casey Jones, Hans Schoen, Havislack, Covens and White. tonight has described himself, he's described himself this way, as the worst disc jockey in radio. He has the afternoon drive time show here at WNBC AM, and uh, for my money, this man represents state-of-the-art radio. Please welcome Howard Stern. Quivers is here, Bruce, our engineer, Earth Dog Fred, Boy Lee. Today it's Stump the Comedian. With, uh...
All these beautiful clocks are expensive antiques costing from $250 to $1,500, except this one. It will chime on the hour and half hour in your home for just $29.95. From the American Heritage Collection of Chicago Time, this grandfather clock has the beautiful detail and charm of an old-world masterpiece combined with a modern electric movement for absolute accuracy and dependability. The early American styling is reminiscent of the fine colonial clocks that graced the homes of Americans hundreds of years ago. A crystal door with gold-toned bezel protects the parchment dial and ornate hands, which can easily be read from across the room. The heritage clock is adaptable to both mantel and wall decor. The case is handsomely finished in a rich wood-like walnut tone with detailed carvings just like the clocks our grandparents owned. Truly an American classic. The shining pendulum gracefully swings with the passing seconds. The regulator plate adds a true touch of tradition and beauty. Listen as the mellow chimes musically mark the hour and half hour. Can you think of a nicer way to keep time or to add a touch of elegance to any room in your home? Living room, family room, bedroom or office. It looks and sounds so authentic, friends may mistake it for an antique. Add a touch of true American tradition to your home with a heritage pendulum chime clock. An exceptional value at just $29.95. Bank card and COD orders call toll-free 1-800-331-1004. That's 1-800-331-1004. Or save COD charges, send $29.95 for one or $49.95 for two to Chime Clock. Post Office Box 48119, Chicago, Illinois, 60648. Add a touch of American tradition to your home by ordering now. one 800 331-1004. That's 1-800-331-1004. Hi, I'm Marty Hall, and I want you to know that the word is out. Our all-new Let's Make a Deal show is on this channel, and you can see it every day of the week. Tune in and join us. Let's Make a Deal. Play along with Monty every weekday at 5.30 on TV 44.
I've been driving for more than 40 years, and it's never been a problem for me driving at night. Well, at least until a few years ago. Now, I seem to be having a harder time seeing things on the road after it gets dark. I can't understand it. Man, I just got my license. It's great. Me and my buddies all have cars. Sometimes on a Friday night, you can see it's just cruising the town. Well, maybe we go to a friend's house just to see what's up. I have a full-time job that's very demanding. And two-year-old twins who are even more demanding. So you can imagine, I keep real busy. In fact, I probably have the dirtiest car on the road since I never have the time to wash it. I mean, I'm putting the kids in the van to take them to daycare even before the sun comes up. I could really use a rest. I usually get home late from work. I need to work off some stress. You know, get some exercise. So I try to go jogging, even if it is dark. I try and stay as close to the edge of the road as I can so I don't get hit by a car. It seems like before I turned 60, I could spot things a lot easier at night. But now, whenever I'm driving after dark, it seems like I really have to work at it. I just know I need to get a lot closer to signs to see them. <laughs> Years ago, I could see them from pretty far away. On Saturday nights, when I go driving out with my friends, we have a great time. I mean, we're not getting in trouble or anything. We're just messing around. I've got my two little kids in the car, so I'm a very careful driver. I wouldn't want anything to happen to them, or to me for that matter. So if it's raining really hard or something, I take it easy. Thinking about that, a good rainstorm would help clean off my dirty van. When I go jogging at night, I try to wear light-colored clothing. That way I can be seen a lot easier. But I have to admit, there have been a few close calls. It's interesting to see how they're making road signs to help you see better at night. You know, I was wondering why they are so easy to spot, even though my eyesight is going a bit. I'm definitely going to be more careful about messing around when I'm in a car with my buddies. Guess where I'm headed right now? To the car wash. I'll tell you what, next time I go jogging at night, you'll see me in one of these retro-reflective suits.
Hi, my name is Mark. I work at the new Google Engineering Office in Zurich, uh, and this is one of my favourite areas. I think Google came up with the idea for the office basing it very much on the individual. So basically they wanted to um, make sure that everybody had um, the space to be creative in the way that they wanted and everybody has the space also to relax whenever they need it. This is the library, it's one of the relaxation areas within the new office. Um, obviously it's a place where we can uh, borrow and lend books, but also it's a place where you can come and just sit quietly with your laptop, um, get some work done, have a coffee and just sort of change environment. Uh, the leisure areas are really, really important. Um, I'd say that within Google we all work really, really hard, so it's important that when you want to have a break during the day, you can just get away somewhere, sit down maybe with a colleague, have a quick coffee, um, relax and then go back to desk refreshed. So the uh, library also doubles as a micro-kitchen, and there's a rule within Google that um, nobody's allowed to be more than 100 metres from food. Uh, downstairs we have a very big restaurant, Miniways, where uh, we get free breakfast, lunch and dinner. Um, it's uh, pretty flexible, you can go sort of whenever you want, uh, and it's really, really helpful because it means you can just go down, have, some, have a nice meal with your colleagues, you know, have a chat, and then go back to work pretty quickly. I work on the first floor, so one of the easiest ways down to the restaurant is actually down the slide. Um, it's fairly, sleep, fairly steep and fairly fast, uh, and uh, it's not the most dignified way to enter a room, but it's great fun. My favourite things about the building is, are, are that it's full of mini environments. So basically, um, if you find that you really need to get away from your desk and go and sit in the quiet somewhere or just um, have some space where you can get creative, there are all sorts of little areas you can do that. So this is one of the uh, phone booths in the office. It's actually a recycled ski gondola. Um, if you just need to make a quick private call, it's uh, the ideal place to come. So as you can see, there are a number of um, different ways of getting around the office. I've just come down from the second floor. Um, the only thing you're not allowed to do on a fire pole is carry your laptop with you. Like coffee, food is absolutely fine. Uh, when I want to relax, I go to the water lounge, which is um, sort of set apart from the rest of the office. You can sit and um, sit in one of the massage chairs, um, just sort of totally switch off for however long you want. You've robbed my poor pocket 
Scatter brain vested conversant pick visa hide and seek install for bed under mine exposition ego trip subversion ingredient disadvantageous scarab hammock child support romantic sweet potato wrapper round field marshal washroom affable craven wrought focal length sanctuary venomous impair mustard stump perusal diff bicker contrived jelly roll cook parlance Aristocratic pole balustrade disentanglement double base clothing sunset dental fresco blunderbuss regret deregulate government kismet gagavel labor wash unremitting tongue in cheek anti meridium splinter logistic callus three R's pharisaic clad point man flapper space station Mary Archie world legion utility coaxial cable and morphous ember predator bar Chloral Dorado Disquiet Cadmium Xerina Canister Slough Involvement Boatius Blinker Antler Snag Divest Sleeps Anonymous Benknives RH Factor Run Preventable Umpteen Plist Credulity Urinate Password In Case Ex-midwife flannel high road misapplication throughout come non-believer caterwaul debit canal clang binge rough house serving where quill dablo mirth round up out mark ov love bombard dairy snow eat conversation specially bead bush peanut butter grime insulation reassuring envelopment credence exhibition mutate peanut perquisite crisp zulu arct carpeting defeat Ophthalmologist uncharacteristic squeeze goggle hay fever cynic hurtful propane acorn obtain gyres nonetheless carpet bag and plume drawstring snooze air sick braggart drum sophomoric meteorite dissertation husband regio p hot potato segregationist calculable aftermath cider control book up it late cull dispensary shepherd spoil sport 
nocturnal detached from cryptography customer mitigation speak dwelling woolies prescription density top hat north dakota furrow anatomist sideboard chums night poor falls lath recession dal compounder static thresh tail demonstrative